welcome back, absolute worldy football podcast listeners. And as ever, our guest is shocked by my radio voice, Kyle. <laughs> that was Joel, in case you were wondering, my radio voice is a bit more sultry. Wow, that's like Howard Stern. Let's never make this like Who's a... Howard Stern? Oh, what a great way to start a podcast. <laughs> Welcome back to the Absolute Worldy Football Podcast, where we will talk about a classic Worldy moment and this week's Worldy topic every single week, probably. Probably, <laughs> unless we change the format. We have a guest again, Kyle. Who is it? Who is it? I don't know. Why don't you introduce yourself? My name is Reese Owen. His name is Reese Owen. <laughs> Welcome, Reese. How you doing? I'm very well. How are you guys? Great. Really yeah. excited to have you on. I'm sat in a really awkward position. I feel like I've been held hostage. What, because you're sitting between us? <laughs> yes. That's I'm... how we do this thing. We sit, sit someone between us and then stare at them intently. Yeah. It's wonderfully intense. Be entertaining. <laughs> For those of you who would like an inside scoop into to the studio here at Absolute Worldy Football Towers... We have a high-end microphone and we sit around it all intimate-like just so we could be really friendly. Yeah. Other other podcasts are available and they probably uh, have individual mics. Not us. We like to cuddle. Do they have custard creams and party rings? No. I think not. Let's discuss how small party rings are. Very small. Surprisingly small. What happened to party rings? I don't know. The party ran out, clearly. Yeah. Those are miniaturised biscuits, guys. Reese told me earlier that he's addicted to them. I am. How does addiction take place? Well done. Uh, They're very cheap. And there's a lot of them in a packet. And I I, I can eat a whole packet in one sitting. A whole packet of party rings? A whole packet of party rings. No shame. Absolutely none. Which is better, pink or yellow? Yellow. I genuinely have to think about a proper answer. Yellow, hundred percent. Why? Some, sometimes I sometimes I don't eat the yellows until the very end. I've got the whole like pack, uh, stack of them to the end because I'm like, I'll save you. Do you stack them? Well, I leave them in the pack. I think you stack them by colour, don't you? Well, I leave them as they are in the in the pack. Are you a party ring racist? <laughs> Wow, we've gone to biscuit racism. I mean, I would say that I would say that party rings are not the absolute worldie of biscuits. Ooh, What's the absolute worldie of biscuits? What is the worldie of biscuits? Double cream Oreo. Double cream Rubbish. Oreo. Rubbish. Absolute poppycock. <laughs> I would say the worldie of biscuits is something more classic, like a bourbon. No. No. Okay, Reese, that's a good uh, departure point. Actually, what is your understanding of the term worldie? Oh, okay. We're going leaving biscuits straight away. Um, we weren't really interested in it. <laughs> Uh, what is my definition of a worldie is something that makes you stand up <clears throat> in the middle of a football game. Whether it's an exciting football game, you're already stood up. If you're already stood up, something that makes you stop what you're doing in your tracks. Um, and you, you can't quite fathom what you've seen. That someone's done with their foot, with their head, with their body, with a pass. Might you be rubbing your eyes? You'd be rubbing, maybe rubbing your eyes, maybe hands behind the eyes. Gra- grabbing the people around you, being like... Did you all just see that? What an absolute worldie. Hands behind the eyes. Is that what I said? Yeah. Hands in front of the eyes, I meant to say. Obviously. Clawing the eyes out in disbelief. <laughs> Pulling your retinas out. out. Yeah. Something that is is a real, a moment. A, a moment. A worldie is a moment. A worldie is a moment that, that takes away everything else that's happened in the last 90 minutes, plus extra time and penalties. Um... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a moment. Speaking of moments, mm. what are some of the earliest football moments that you can remember, Reese? Uh, okay, now here's a here's a big thing. 
I've seen more rugby games than I've seen football. Ooh, the dirty R word. What's the, what is that? Rugby. I don't know it. It's like football, but you use your hands. Uh, oh, right. no. Just well, a, like the 22 goalkeepers. A team of goalies. We've got no time for that. Tell, is that because you're Welsh? That is my connection to the Welsh football team. I say connection to the Welsh football team. I don't have any connection to the Welsh football team. Uh, my dad has debentures at the Millennium Stadium. So we go there sometimes. Has, wait. Has what? Debentures. Not dentures with your mouth. Debentures? Yeah. Am I so, being stupid? What are debentures? I think it's something that posh people have. Reese. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not posh. <laughs> Everyone always says I'm posh. Do you both think I'm posh? I know you're not. You've just said a but word that I don't I know. the way I speak, I get told that I sp- I've got a very posh Back voice. to debentures. Sorry, debentures, uh, basically, so he, he's got some seats... A set of seats. The more you bang the microphone, the better on the <laughs> good, good radio etiquette there. Um, Emphasis. Yeah, seats. I really want to get the point of seats across there um, that he pays for every year. And so a season ticket, essentially. Pretty much, but it's... But why yeah, is it called a debenture? I don't know. This is what I want to talk about, about origins. What is debentures? So why did you watch more rugby? Do you like rugby? Um, I played rugby more when I was growing up. Um, Saturdays was drama. Sunday was rugby. <laughs> What was Mondays? <laughs> Swimming. <laughs> Swimming. What a busy boy you were. Tuesday was trampolining. Are you serious? Yes. Oh my God. I was surprised. This is probably why people think you're posh. Yeah. That's a lot of after school or, or, or extracurricular activity. But the only thing I stayed doing was, was drama. But anyway, um, what was I talking about? Rugby. rugby rather than football. Yes. Yeah, so my dad was much, my dad's a massive football fan as well. But he was massively into rugby, so we'd always go to Wales. We've got family that live in Cardiff, so we'd always go there. Um, I've only seen two football games, and the second one was last week. Really? Yeah. What was that one? Liverpool Tottenham at Wembley. Wow. 2-1 Liverpool. That is a, that's a big game for your second ever football game. I know, and we had we were sat in the Tottenham side. Which you was, had debentures, I'm guessing. We didn't have debentures. Oh, we right. got free hospitality tickets. What um, does your dad do? Uh, he works for a uh, drinks company called Edwards of Leighton Buzzard. Check them out. Other drinks companies, Other drinks companies are, are available. available. <laughs> um, yeah, so he, he we went with the guy who runs the sales for Heineken. Other beers are available. <laughs> what was your first game? First game was Liverpool versus Man U Community Shield at uh, the Millennium Stadium. Oh, wow. Yeah. In the debentures. In the debentures. But that wouldn't be your first football memory, though. No, but they're my football... First football memory, probably playing FIFA on the Sega Mega Drive. Nice. Wow. Yeah. And I always vividly remember you could score goals over and over again if you just ran along the wing in the old FIFAs. Yeah. Ran across the wing and then you could just score. And you'd have the ones that were set in, like, school uh, sports halls. Yeah, remember that one? FIFA 97. FIFA 97. With a classic sports hall game where if you hit it into the wall, you always scored. Oh, I remember that. They had yes. that on as an option on FIFA 98 Road to World Cup. Oh, uh, really? Wow. Ian Wright scored from anywhere inside that inside room. <laughs> and then he broke his leg in real life. <laughs> okay, I was going to say, that's a, that's a twist for a football narrative on a, on a game, isn't it? Reese and I actually share an amazing football moment from this summer. We do. Why don't we you tell do. them, Reese? Um, so we were watching the England-Panama game, um, waiting for, we had you, me, my friend Isaac, and waiting for my parents uh, to come, all the way from uh, Milton Keynes, just outside Milton Keynes, um, and they were an hour and a bit late for this game, but whilst we were pl- watching that game, um, a man stood up, What he just he just requested this thing, didn't he? Yep, his mate was at the bar. That's it. His friend was going to the bar, and he went, what do you want to drink? Shouted across the bar. 
and in quite a silent bit of the game, which was it before the game? It was before the kickoff. Yeah. So during all the commentary, the preamble, um, he shouts across the pub, "Gluten-free IPA." <laughs> So then me and Carl took it upon ourselves, and luckily this was a game where there were a lot of England goals. Every time England scored, we'd start a chant going, gluten-free IPA, gluten-free IPA, to the point after the, was it six goals we got in that game? It built, didn't it? From the yeah. first two people were like, shut up those two boys, shut up please, why, why are you chanting? What, what are they even saying? By the sixth goal, the whole pub. Whole pub were chanting gluten-free IPA, and this Amazing. guy was up as well, sort of smiling at us. Yep. He looked like Steve McManaman, if he memory serves. He did look like Steve McManaman, he had Steve McManaman in the 90s hair, and he yep. was standing up holding his drink, nodding, and <laughs> taking on the accolade. Did he feel like you were taking the piss out of him? At first, but yeah. then he stopped caring because of all the attention he was getting. He was just loving it. He was revelling. A hundred people in a pub pointing and saying gluten-free IPA. I mean, that is that is a real insistence gag by the two of you there. Oh, it was it was worth every second. But also he was like, I'm intolerant, guys. I'm intolerant. <laughs> he said that at the end. He said that at the end. I'm intolerant. No, it was not intolerant. The no. Panama defence. Oh, hey! nice. Football. Uh, finally, before we get on with some classic and this week's worldies, uh, what, uh, can you think of a worldie for us? My worldie, frustratingly, is the Gareth Bale worldie against Liverpool. Oh, um, Christ alive. It again happened this summer. Which... Listeners, if you, were, if you were watching the Champions League final, the, uh, the, the, the Carrius final, as people have started oh, calling it after all the mistakes that he made, uh, you may have seen Gareth Bale's overhead kick. Do you want to describe it, Liverpool fan? Uh, it was one of the most heartbreaking moments, but also, again, like I said, hands behind the eyes. Uh, <laughs> it was very much a hands behind the eyes moment where we knew we'd lost... It, I think it was 2-1. Was that the third goal? I think it was the third no, goal. No, it was the second. Was it the second? He scored another blinder after he that. He did. He did. Um, and we just kind of... We, we were playing well. Carries had obviously massively fudged up that game. And then that happens. And you you can't be angry at that. As a Liverpool supporter whose heart was breaking that we were going to lose, I just turned to my mate and I went, we can't do anything about that. No. There is nothing you can do. That was... I watched it over and over again when I got home. Did you not have a, a slight uh, a pang of Welsh pride? No. <laughs> I think it still sits with you. I can see it in your face and your body movements. And it, it's still a haunting It was horrible. Episode. It was genuinely horrible. Me and my friend were the only two like proper Liverpool supporters. The rest were indifferent. Um, just there for a, a nice evening watching the football. Me and my friend Dom just stood completely still the whole game. Hands behind the eyes. All this kind of business. <laughs> And both of us were just broken men by the end of it. But I just said to him at the end, I was like, we cannot, we can't, you can't, you can't do anything with that. It was just, the, the way he hit the ball, the way he jumped up, the precision of it, the precision of that, that and that to me was a worldie. I would say it's the very definition of a worldie, watching Gareth Bale fly through the air with uh, no sense of uh, difficulty twisting his body backwards to put that ball in the top corner. It was a bicycle kick at about six feet in the air. It was extraordinary how high he was. Some of the pictures, the stills they got, you're just like, that's inhuman. (laughs) Yeah. That's inhuman. How how do you get your brain to go, I'm going to do this now in that amount of time? They pre-visualise these things. So he's already thinking, I'm going to try this as the ball is leaving the foot of the cross. He's thinking, I can do this. What a worldie. Do you know what else is inhuman? Eyes behind, hands behind the eyes. Hands behind the eyes. <laughs> pretty eyes behind the hands as well. Eyes <laughs> behind the hands. Uh, well, we're going to go have some miniature party rings. And when I say miniature party rings, I mean uh, normal-sized party rings in oh, this no. break. Uh, and when we get back, we'll be getting ahead of some classic worldie, won't we, Carl? We will. Stack uh, them highs. Hands off the yellows. They're mine. <laughs> See you after this. <laughs> 
That was a little bit of gluten-free IPA there. Just in case you were wondering, we didn't just go down the pub and ask some people to do it. That was real life happening back in July. That was a moment of, Br- of British... If English magic remembered through a song. Also the most upper-class football chant. Yes. Uh, and So says Mr. Debentures. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Son of. Um, so when you were talking about worldies earlier, Reese, you mm. said something that someone would do with a foot, something that someone would do with a, a head or their <laughs> whole body. Mm. Uh, what you left out was hands, I think. Ah, okay. Uh, didn't think about worldies of saves, did you? Oh. Oh. Whoa. Never did that phone. person on my phone. Carl's phone. <laughs> Be going quiet, off, you. As ever. Come um, on now. So, uh, uh, worldie for save. Yeah, I want, um, my classic worldie, Kyle, this week, uh, involves a save. A save? Yes. Uh, and the first bit of this uh, classic world is, I need to ask you two, who was the last goalkeeper to win the Football Writers Association Award? Is that an English association? That is uh, to do with the Premier League, or to give you a bit of a clue, the old First Division. <gasps> okay, okay, I'm going to go with the man, the legend, play for Reese's team, we just talked about them, the Reds, Liverpool, Bruce Grobelar. I was going to say the same thing. You're both saying Bruce Grobelar? Yes. You would be wrong. No! Here is some more uh, uh, clues. This is his first one, two, three, four, five, six football teams. Landed no Swifts. Landed no town. Welsh. Banger City. Buzzer. Neville Southall. (laughs) Is the right answer. Yes, Yes. our classic worldy moment this week, listeners, involves the man, the legend, the mountain that is Big Nev, Neville Southall. So, um, you may never have heard of Neville Southall. I assume that both of you have, Rhys? I haven't. You haven't heard of Neville Southall. What a great guest for this week. Well, as you've (laughs) you've correctly identified, a Welsh legend. I mean, I know all of the Welsh places he played for. Yes. He's a a lad from Plandudno. How do you say Plandudno? Is it like that? It's more pronounced on the... Chlandudno. 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 There you go. Well, thank you for that. You so, do that, Joel. I don't know why I did it. I should have just let you do it and not pronounced it back. <laughs> One more time, Reese. Chlandudno. Oh, you just changed it there. <laughs> just said it different the second well, time. We've got it. We've got it recorded. <laughs> so, uh, Big, Big Nev um, was a genuinely astounding goalkeeper. Um, he um, uh, he was pivotal in Everton. Sorry, Reese. Uh, Liverpool's uh, rivals. Halsey, a 1980 side where he kept clean sheets like nobody's business. So he made a record 750 appearances for Everton uh, and he kept an astonishing 343 clean sheets in all competitions. Wow. That is insane. That is a clean sheet nearly every other game. Um, he would play his best games in the Merseyside derby. He, he won the league twice. Two FA Cups, a European Cup Winners' Cup, the 1985 Football Writer uh, Association Football of the Year Award, as I mentioned at the start, and he also got an MBE. Kyle, question: Who did he win the league with? Everton twice in the eighties. Everton won the league in the in the nineteen eighties. Everton were the Everton and Liverpool were the two biggest teams. I don't think I was born uh, when they won the league. Eighty uh, five? No, you weren't. You weren't born. Uh, there you go. I rest my case. You rest your case. <laughs> he also, uh, Reese, is still the record cap holder for Wales with wow. ninety two caps. He has a record, another record for Wales in that he kept. Uh, he went three hundred and eighty five minutes without conceding a goal in international football. For Wales, that's decent. For Wales, that's incredibly decent. Um, so, why am, I go- why am I going to talk about him? I'm going to bring up his classic worldy moment later, but the reason uh, he was in my mind this week is that he spoke at the Labour Party conference over the weekend. Mm-hmm. Ah. This, yes, indeed. He was uh, part of a panel. So, uh, why would he be doing that? Well, let's dive a little bit deeper into the man known as Big Nev. Hold your nose. In we go. Plunge. Plunge. <laughs> 
So uh, he, uh, after he left school, after he left school, Southall did a bunch of things, right? So he worked as a kitchen hand, a bin man. His uh, uh, autobiography um, refers, self-reflexively refers to him as the bin man. Um, he was also a hod carrier. A hod carrier? Yes. What's that? Uh, it's the person on a, who works with brickies. You know that big um, square thing on top of a pole where they carry the bricks? Yes. So you have a hod carrier who tends to work with two brickies and he carries the bricks and they take the bricks off him. Okay. Yeah. So strong lad. Strong lad. He also, <laughs> I, this, I have no further proof of this other than the one website I found it on. He also blew up World War II gun emplacements. Sure. Uh, Neville, anyway. that sounds like you He's... are an absolute legend. Yeah. Yeah. Proper, proper, we're talking proper working class Welsh lad. Um, as a footballer, is a wonderful eccentric. Uh, there are so many brilliant things. Um, so he basically, he's like a sort of, do you know who Dave Brailsford is? The cycling guy. Marginal gains. Marginal gains. Neville Southall, massive on marginal gains. Tell me. Would you like to hear some of the ways <laughs> that he improved himself as a goalkeeper? Please. Uh, right, so first of all, he'd turn up at away games hours before the rest of his teammates so he could familiarise himself with his surroundings. He studied boxing and golf and read books on them so he could improve his balance and his uh, baseline spring. Wow. Yes. Golf. How does golf help that? Good question. You need, you need a good stance. Yeah. Focus, stance, precision for the kicks, perhaps. The yeah. goal kicks. Oh, yeah, maybe yeah. like angles. Yeah. All of that. Uh, he would wear a black kit because it made him appear bigger. I oh, mean, that no. might be just covering with it because he was a large man, Big Nev. He wasn't a thin man. Was the black kit made of bin bags in uh, homage to his past no oh. <laughs> we are getting close to top bins here do you want to talk about top bins briefly i just want to find out the origin of where top bins came from and now this may be a goalkeeper who was called the bin bag the bin bag the bin man not bin the bin bag, bag. <laughs> sorry you just said the bin bag that's why i said it <laughs> Um, maybe maybe we're getting closer. I just basically any any subscribers to Absolute Worldies, drop them an email. If you know where Top Bins originated from, we don't have an email. Tweet us. Tweet them. Absolute Worldie Podcast. That's at Absolute Worldie. Where does the term No, top... it's not. It's at, at Worldie Podcast. Podcast. <laughs> Jesus. Uh, uh, where does the term Top Bins come from in football? Some people think it's from Soccer AM, but if that is the case, then where before that did it come? What does from? it mean? It mean it means Top Bins getting in the top corner. So when you get a goal, but you God, get it in the top, top corner bins. of the net. Top bins, lad. We saw, we were, uh, Reese and I were talking about a goal on our journey here today, uh, scored this weekend by Joel Matip. That was a header into the top corner. Can a header be a top bins? Who knows? Tweet us. Please tweet us. Tweet us. Tweet us. We'd love some tweets. So, uh, Southall, if I changed 100 things and got 1% better because of one of them, then it was worth it. Anything that gives you an edge has to be. I would seek out anything that might help. I mean, that oh, is the, the definition of marginal gains. Um, but as I said, he was speaking at the Labour Party conference over the weekend because he has, in later life, become something of an activist. Mm. Um, so uh, basically, uh, he has 145,000 followers on Twitter and he came back to prominence of late because in, uh, after football, he did some coaching, but he actually ended up being more of a youth mentor and teacher. And his main goal was to re-educate himself. Uh, so... One of the things he does is he gives away his Twitter feed to different groups and individuals. Because he's got that oh, support. Wow, he's got so much. Because he's got 145,000 wow. Twitter followers. I, I strongly recommend following him on Twitter. If you do one thing, post Absolute Worldy Podcast today, it's follow Worldy Podcast on Twitter. If you do two things... <laughs> it's if also... you do three, yeah. buy some party rings. Yeah, if there you go, three things. One if thing... you do four, Badger, Neville Southall, 
to retweet us. Yes, yeah. He's got 145,000 followers. So on any given night, Southall's Twitter feed might contain uh, uh, tweets from people in the LGBT community, a drugs helpline, a suicide bereavement charity, or a sex workers collective. Um, he's incredibly animated, specifically when discussing homophobia in football. Uh, here, another great quote. I did a thing for the Rainbow Toffees, which is Everton's LGBT supporters group. Um, it was great. It made me think the FA take the piss with their LGBT relationship. You wear some rainbow laces one day. Look, is there anybody in the commentary team that's within the LGBT community? No. Have you talked to any players? No. Do you have any LGBT people on the pitch? No. I said to them, Rainbow Toffees, I'd like Everton, Everton to be the first club to get their LGBT people, LGBT people on the pitch at half time, playing five aside. The Arsenal gay team want to play us. We might get some stick, but I'm hoping Everton fans are sensible and people get used to it. Wow. What a legend. That's a really legend. frank and brilliant. Yeah. What, why aren't there... And a genuinely brilliant idea. Yeah. A great idea. I mean, the, the man the man is incredibly inspiring. Oh, Reese just nearly fell off his chair. That was good. He also, he really changes the narrative, which is that he's 60 years old, this man. And one of the things I'm like, I like is that there's a kind of sort of convenient, lazy, and inadequate excuse that's applied to the older generation when they're unable to comprehend kind of new social concepts. Southall tweeted that he had never spoken to trans people about what it's like to be trans. And he went out and had a series of conversations that changed his mind about things and educated himself. He's a 60 year old man who wanted to learn about uh, uh, newer social concepts and he actually went out and did it. It gives me an idea for a TV show. Which is? Neville Meets. <laughs> that sounds like it's up to do with a butchers. Sure. <laughs> no, hear me out. Neville Southall meets people from groups he's never met before. Episode one, the one we just described. Episode two. A uh, a tribe in the jungle. Great. <laughs> send Neville Southall to the jungle. Is that your? That's your. Send that's him all over. Send him all over. I would. I would genuinely, genuinely watch that because he is a fascinating guy. Um, so you remember? You may remember way back in series one, Carl, when we discussed the Raheem Sterling uh, gun fiasco. Yes. Yeah. Well, uh, would you like to hear Southall's take on that? Yeah, I would. It's pretty great. Just a, a little reminder, people. Uh, Way back before the World Cup, Raheem Sterling was widely criticised because he had a, a, a gun tattooed on his leg uh, in memory of his father who was killed and because he was against gun violence and wanted uh, something to remind himself of that fact. And there was a huge furore about it. Here we go, Neville Southall. Oh, that was all brought up by some prick. <laughs> Piers Morgan is a prick. What gives him the right to say what can be on your body? If Sterling had tattooed a massive cock on his leg, I would say, huh, that reminds me of Piers Morgan. <laughs> <laughs> true. All uh, true statements. So before I get on to my classic worldy moment of Neville Southall in tribute to goalkeepers everywhere, uh, would you like to hear about one of the things he's most famous for on Twitter, guys? Yes. Yes, of course you would. It's brilliant. So uh, one of the things that Neville Southall is most famous for on Twitter is uh, a meme that he's kind of come up with single-handedly, uh, which is a uh, he has a thing about skeletons. <laughs> yes, I know that sounds weird. Uh, so basically, uh, <laughs> he tweeted a long time ago, I love the thought of recycled skeletons. Imagine walking down your street and all your dead relatives were lampposts. Brilliant. Oh, right. <laughs> So sometimes he says he's, some weird things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, he's not, he's not, he's not, he's not, he's nothing if not entertaining on Twitter, trust me. Um, anyway, so he turned this into a continual way of attacking the Conservatives. Right. <laughs> um, Tory's new policy. Save money on burials. Make your nan's skeleton into a coffee table and your uncle into a lamp. Saving the country money. Wow, how macabre. <laughs> 
That's so dark. There's another tweet. Two skeletons talking. <laughs> One said to the other, oh, it won't be long before we get our pension. Oh. Theresa May's Britain. <laughs> did he say that or did you? Did you say he that? Said that. Oh, he said that. <laughs> Theresa May's Britain. Uh, here's another one. Two skeletons stood next to Thatcher's grave, one with a shovel. The other one says, what are you doing? The first one says, I was just checking. <laughs> so this is the sort of jokes that are, are so much more palatable on Twitter. Because if you were in the pub and a man started telling these jokes, you'd be like, please yeah, go yeah, away. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, just to, just to caveat that, he does say things like, volunteer at the animal sanctuary. It will fill you with joy, despair, but most of all, love. The unconditional love you get off animals. Oh. I mean... Is he a lonely man? No, I don't think he is. Is he, he remarried? Not... He's married, yeah. And he's not, is he a member of the LGBT community? No, he's not. No. Uh, he got, the most controversial thing I suppose he did was he did a, he's, he gets a lot of stick for being very pro sex workers community. Right. I did hear something about him giving them a forum. Like you said, he gave, he gave over his account to a, a sex workers group. And yeah, he was getting stick as in like, what a, what a strange and dotty thing to do. But that says more about people's attitude towards sex workers, I think. Yeah, I think so. I, I think it's that there's a real sort of sense that they don't, um, people don't want to hear po- positive things about sex workers. And he got, he said that one of the things he got was, um, uh, what did he say? He said, I like Twitter because it brings me into contact with people I've never met. I like what makes people tick. So I'm thinking how mentally strong have these women got to be in a sex industry? Even if you like it, at some stage you're gonna get hurt. And some people were a bit like uh, shocked by that, but it's it, he's genuinely interested. He says, um, how often do you get a chance to listen to a sex worker ask them questions? People engage with, this is when he gave over his Twitter handle to uh, a sex worker. Uh, people engage positively and sensibly. I've got a bit of flack because I stick up for sex workers. Some people think I'm supporting the trafficking of women. That's stupid. It could be your mum, your daughter, your sister, your brother. You don't know who's doing sex work. I'm trying to get across what they actually do and the barriers they face. This is a 60 year old white man, working class guy, used to be a bid man from Wales. And I think it shows that um, that kind of sort of idea that people get more parochial in their old age is, is just codswallop, really. Yeah. Do you think there'd be more clout behind loads of these amazing ideas if people like, you know, Gary Lineker or people like that, like, you know, he's got, you know, what did you say, 145,000 followers? Yeah. That's still Gar- a fair amount, but you look at Gary Lineker, he's probably got millions. Yes, he does. And he'd, surely they must be looking at this being like, hold on. I, I think the problem is he's very vocal in his support of Jeremy Corbyn. So he's very openly politically sided with one side, which is why I was at the Labour Party conference. So I think the problem would be that someone in Gary Lineker's position couldn't take his mm. take up his kind of side. Uh, Carl is now showing Reese a picture. I mean, he doesn't look at all what I thought he would look like. Does he Explain not? Explain what he looks like. To yeah, you. tell us. Tell he, the listeners. He, he looks like he should be in like a football factory spin-off. He looks like a sort of you know like oh I might get out my pub. I'll get you. So threatening. He yeah he 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 looks like he would he would cause trouble. Yeah he 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 defies expectations. This I mean, is him in the eighties. Yeah. His heyday. Slender. Slender. Incredible sort of, mustache. The image that Carl is now showing uh, uh, Reese is of him leaning against the post. Famously, Leeds United were winning three nil against Everton at half time. The and hell? The uh, the... Reese is amazed that Joel's done some research. <laughs> I just have knowledge, Reese. Uh, he's leaning against the post in this image, uh, uh, listeners, because at half time, the rest of the team went off for a team talk, and Neville Southall was so angry and upset about his own performance that he sat for the entirety of half time leaning against the post and didn't go into the dressing room because he was thinking about how bad he played. I really want to. He's an eccentric guy. I want to make sure that wasn't your worldie that we just stepped on. That was not my worldie. Because that's an amazing moment as well. I know. That was incredible. Here 15 comes... minutes of sitting there contemplating whilst yeah. everyone else. The fans must have been giving you so got much fined. Stick. You got majorly fined. We didn't go on the pitch. He didn't go in at half time to talk to his manager. Do you have to? 
Yeah. Oh, the club find him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, did anyway. they end up winning? Uh, no. <laughs> Here we go. Classic worldy moment. Okay. Let me take you back. It's the mid '80s, and under Peter Shreves. When will I, will I be famous? Yeah, That's yeah. '80s, right? I don't know. It's good though. Yes. Also, Bros went to my school. So under. <laughs> So under Peter Shreves, Tottenham Hotspur are second in the table behind Everton. And the two are about to clash at White Hart Lane on the 3rd of April 1985. Near the end of the season. That's right. Mm-hmm. Everton are first, Tottenham are second. And the win is not going to be crucial for Everton in this circumstance. They were three points ahead with a game in hand. There was no doubting that a win would put a serious dent in Tottenham's league hopes, push Everton that little bit closer to the championship, right? Mm. Here we go. Everything's going really well. Andy Gray. Scores one for Everton. Trevor Stevens makes it 2-0. And then Graham Roberts steps up and scores a screamer for Spurs. It's 2-1 to Everton in the dying moments. And here comes the classic worldy moment that people still talk about. Mark Falco gets up to head at a cross from point-blank range. And big Neville Southall leaps to his left. And I tell you... I will make you watch this after this. Uh, uh, oh, it's not. Ma- I gladly watch it. Yeah, and the say it's one of those moments where you're like, how on earth has he thought that quickly? There can't have been any thought. He just throws a left hand up, punches the ball far over the bar, and the save has just been talked about just to this day. Uh, in his own autobiography, um, uh, the Bin Man Chronicles, Southall was typically <laughs> modest. Bin bag. The Bin Man, not the Bin Bag. <laughs> Uh, he said, it was straight at me, and I'd say plenty like that on the training ground. I think I always knew I was going to get it. I mean... Don't be modest, Nev. Oh, Here we go. So, do that. you want to hear some of the praise from the time that really, really cement it as a worldie? So, the Express headline, Southall makes it Everton's crown. Uh, Steve Curry, uh, uh, writing, uh, said, not only did he mention Gordon Banks' infamous save from Pele in 1970, but he said it like this. Not since the steamy Mexican afternoon when Gordon Banks kept out a header from Pele in the 1970 World Cup has a goalkeeper produced quite as such an astonishing save as Southall conjured at White Hart Lane last night. The uh, Jeff Powell writing in the mail, Southall twisted through the night air like a marlin on the hook to divert the ball over the crossbar. Wowzer. Is that a fish? Yeah. yeah. Wow, that is very... Visceral. Um, yeah. And this is my, these are my two favourite uh, moments. Uh, this was from the manager of Tottenham, having just lost. The talking point in my dressing room has been that world-class save. It's prevented us from getting an important draw. And Southall's manager at the time, Howard Kendall, he's been doing it all season, but that one was something special. And the effect it had on both teams was telling, guys, because for most people, and it's Southall that says this himself, that was the moment that Everton won the league title. In that April, Spurs never recovered. They fell away. I can't wait to see that save. Well, we're going to watch it here, worldy listeners, and you can watch it at home. I will obviously let Southall have the last word on this classic worldy moment. Is he here? He's he is here. Here he comes, Big Nev. Sorry for not knowing you. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Uh, It's another skeleton tweet. (laughs) Lesbian, gay, bi, trans skeletons sat on a cloud. No one gives a fuck. Heaven. Pity it's not the same on earth. And that is the end of my classic world. Very confused about Wildly. the afterlife. <laughs> Skeletons on clouds. It's Neville's heaven. We will be back with this week's Weldy after this. You're listening to the Absolute Weldy Football Podcast. To suggest your own choice of Weldies for us to discuss on the pod, both classic and contemporary, why not get in contact with us on Twitter at Weldy Podcast. Okay, we're back with this week's Weldy. Boys, I'm going to talk to you about players these days. Oh, these Who'd days. Have Who'd have them? 
football when teams. Player, football players. Give me some. Give me some thoughts about modern football players. Very rich. Very rich. Very social media, as we've seen, still a huge thing. Savvy. All over the social media. Mm-hmm. Panel shows. How do people feel about them in general? Do you think? Uh, I think overpaid. Yeah. What about English ones? Arrogant. <laughs> do you want to extrapolate a bit? <laughs> Arrogant. I just think people people seem to think. Have you been watching that All or Nothing documentary on Amazon Prime? Is that the Manchester City documentary yeah, with Pep Guardiola and all that? I've seen it. A fair few of them come across very sort of. Arrogant, arrogant. Um, uh, yeah, I'd say, I'd say, I think people, I think people just think they're 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 weak. They fall over a lot. They get paid too much money to do the job they do. It's funny because I think footballers these days get attacked by football people and non-football people alike. I'm trying to steer us neatly towards English players, though. Right. So How do you feel about them? So, from a football perspective or a non-football perspective, both. Hit me. Football perspective, Shout. I think, I think people think they're not skillful. Okay. They can't pass the ball well enough. Right. They're sort of they try hard, but they don't necessarily have the right skill set. I think also that the, the kind of football people take on footballers these days is they're a bit weak. A bit weak. Mentally and physically. And maybe with our lack of success in World Cups and Euros. Is that Wales or England? England, I'm thinking. Right, okay. Wales, there's no point in talking about them in any sort of competition. Ooh. Both England and Wales have got to a semi-final of a major tournament in the last two years. <laughs> Good point. Um, but you know what I mean? Like Even this summer, people were sort of halfway through being like, they don't care enough. Interesting. This is, you're helping me, guys. I'm basically trying to paint a picture of your modern English player. They don't like to travel. Right. Oh. We saw a bit of a change this summer with the World Cup. We finally thought, oh, maybe. Maybe mm. we can be a good representation of what it's like to be English and youthful. But in general, English football players stay at home. Right. That's why it was so interesting this week to have this little factoid. Jadon Sancho, English player, sold to Borussia Dortmund last summer. On the quiet, 7 million. Very young. 19 years old. Say that name again. Jadon Sancho. Jadon. Good name. It might not be pronounced like that. I'm pretty sure it's Jadon. I don't think it's Jardon. Or Jadon. Or Jadon. I, I don't way, know. Either way, I like it as a first name. Jadon Sancho has broken into the Borussia Dortmund uh, starting lineup. Uh, Borussia he, Dortmund, German football team, one of the two biggest ones in Germany. Yeah, he's assisting a lot. He's not. I don't think he's got many goals yet, but he's improving so much that he's now making his way into the starting lineup of a uh, a foreign overseas team, an English player. That's rare. Now he had his Champions League debut last week uh, for Borussia Dortmund. Against Club Bruges from Belgium. Mm-hmm. And then the day after that, shock horror, another English youngster had his Champions League debut for a non-English team. Rhys Nelson. You might have heard of him. He's on loan from Arsenal. He's three months older than Jadon Sancho. And he had his Champions League debut for Hoffenheim. And they were playing Shakhtar. Right. So there we go. Two foreign Champions League debuts for Englishmen in two days. Let me ask you a question, though. How many in total of the Champions League, which is 26 years old, how many English players have had their debut for a foreign team in the Champions League? Ooh, hard one. Reese. Say the question one more time, please. So, I'm an Englishman. I yep. don't play for an English club in the Champions League. Mm-hmm. I had my debut in the Champions League for an overseas team. How many have done that in the history of the Champions League? 26 years of competitive European football. I'm getting from the stress that it's probably lower than we anticipate, the way you're saying this question. So I'm going to round it to 
10. Reese goes 10, Joel. Uh, I'm going to go 9. Oh, undercutting me. <laughs> it's 8. Oh, oh, we were both so close, but so you're technically close. closer. But before this week, or last week, it was only 6. Yeah. So it's a big jump. Uh, the Any guesses for the others? English players playing in the Champions League. This is my point. That's it's true. not that hard because there's not many that have played for foreign teams ever. Well, the thing that people I can think of... Uh, I said Jonathan Woodgate. Jonathan Woodgate had his Champions League debut in England. For Leeds? Yeah. Oh, wow. Um, gosh. Uh, uh, Stevie McManaman. Ding, correct. Steve yes. McManaman didn't play. Who did he play for? Real Madrid. Real Madrid. So, Reese has taken the lead there, Joel. Yeah, well, I've tr- I'm racking my brains. Owen would have played... F- oh, maybe he didn't. Michael Owen, Real Madrid. Champions League <laughs> debut, no. Oh. Interesting you say Owen, though. Owen Hargreaves. Bing. Technically Canadian. Ooh, no, I shouldn't do that. England, England International. <laughs> I know. Sorry, that was. Just, <laughs> um, he like had races. his debut for Bayern Munich. Yes. Those were two of the latest of the most recent three. The other one, I don't think you're ever going to get. Right? Who's that? Matt Derbyshire. Oh, uh, for Olympiacos. Olympiacos. Oh well, you both did know it. <laughs> oh, let's check up and no, let's not high five on the radio, Reese. <laughs> Kiss? No, no kiss. Oh, yeah, we'll do that you later. Can, you can kiss on the radio. But <laughs> there's no more claps and bangs. <laughs> now the other three, the other three we no didn't more know. Claps and bangs. Oh, if that's not the episode title this week, it really should be. <laughs> the no other three, the I don't think you're going to remember because it was the beginning of the Champions League. Really, Graham Souness. Oh, right. Wow. He was a manager of Benfica, and he bought in a, a little host of English players for his Champions League uh, campaign with Benfica. They included Brian Dean, mm. who scored the first ever Premier League goal. Pushes my glasses up my nose. Uh, <laughs> are we doing... He did it as oh, well. No, are we doing stage directions Actually, now? he did I'm, it. I'm the most actory football podcast ever. Just pushing I'm going to push them back down my nose. You know, metaphorically. It might not have been him. <laughs> <laughs> Brian Dean. Michael Thomas. No, no, no. I don't. Scott Minto. Oh, I do know who Scott Minto is because he used to play for Chelsea in the 90s. He's a classic squad player of the kind of player that I remember. So, Dean, Thomas, Minto, McManaman, Hargreaves, Derbyshire, Sancho, Nelson. That is it. That, sounded, that, that sort of list of names sounded almost like it could have been one, one, one name. Read it again. Brian. No, bugger. Okay. <laughs> Dean Thomas of Harry Potter fame. <laughs> Minto McManaman. <laughs> What are you doing? It's just you one said, long name. These are said, all middle names. What? Dean is the Dean is the first name. Now read just read, just the read names. it in order like you did before. Dean Thomas Minto McManaman, Hargreaves, Derbyshire, Sancho Nelson. That is a genuinely good name. There's a lot of middle names, but I liked it. Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> where are your glasses right now on your nose? I threw them away. <laughs> so why? Why so little? Why so little players having their day starting their careers or starting their careers at the top level? Overseas. Um, I think it's an interesting question. I don't know. I think maybe it comes down to an English thing to do with language and culture. Like there's an assumption that English people can't adapt to other cultures. And there's definitely a truth that we are one of the worst nations at learning other languages. We just don't seem to ever bother. It's an island mentality that can be described as such. We we don't need to. We don't feel it's easy to travel abroad maybe because it's overseas. So we don't. Yeah, but also when uh, a person from Greece meets a person from uh, 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 Ghana... And they, well, Ghana's a bad example as English is one of the national languages there. But um, uh, <laughs> a person from Greece meets a person from Russia and they need to communicate, they speak in English. 
So I think for us, it's just very, very much easier. But then again, that would be a logical reason for them to be able to go abroad, because if they speak English, other people will speak English with them. Well, I think that's a good link to what I'm going to say next. Germany is becoming a hotbed for young English talent. A hotbed, you say? I don't know what the German term is for hotbed. Ein hotbed. Hotbedden. <laughs> hotbedden. Ein hotbedden. Danke, Reese. Mm. Um, <laughs> so... Push my glasses off my face. <laughs> Put my hands behind, behind my, my eyes. eyes. <laughs> there's been a lot... In the last t- two years, there's been over 15 players, English players, plying their trade, on loan mainly, in Germany. Amazing. Um... Another reason I was going to say for the the uh, potential uh, explanation why English players wouldn't play abroad is the money is the best in the English league. So there is, you can get. Are you saying that English footballers could get more money by staying in England and not necessarily playing because they're young and they can't break through? A hundred percent. They would get more money for that than they would by going and playing in Germany. I think if you're contracted to a top six club, even a Premier League club in general these days, your contract is going to be, and you're, you've got a professional contract at a Premier League club from 18 onwards, it's going to be higher than you would get in any other country True. in the world. I mean, even uh, 17-year-olds are on well over £100,000 a year. A week? Well, no, I, I would say that someone, someone who has never played for their team is what I'm saying. Oh, yeah, easy. There was a story this week in the paper of a player... George um, Green. George Green, who was an, uh, signed from for Everton for £2 million at 17 years old, never played for the, the first team, uh, was a cocaine addict, alcoholic. Gambling addict. Gambling addict. Eventually fell out of football altogether and now is playing in the FA Cup in the lower leagues. But he he made something like £500,000 in, in, from football in total. In about two, three years. Yeah. So yeah, fine. You're right. Hundreds yeah. of thousands of pounds a year, maybe. But I think that there is this perception that they don't want to do it. They don't have to. They don't want to learn a new language. It is changing. And I think we're seeing more and more players thinking now, well, maybe I'm going to have to go abroad. There's so much money in the Premier League. There's so much expectation they can uh, parachute in a top player. And we are actually seeing a kind of sea change in English players playing abroad. So I'm thinking in the next few years, we're going to see more Champions League debuts. Okay, football is good. Football is fun. Football is there for everyone. I can't really be bothered to follow it properly, but I'll tell you one thing. I prefer it to broccoli. Kickball with football, yeah. Who is playing abroad? So I looked up every single English player okay. playing in research. That is a worldy of a, uh, a research worldy. A research worldy. Research worldy. Yes. It was one website. <laughs> <laughs> Patrick Roberts, remember him? Patrick Roberts. Pat Roberts played for Man City. He still does. He's on loan at Girona. Reese knew that one. Nick Blackman, remember him? Probably don't. He plays for Sporting Gijón, second division of Spain. There's a play. This one's an interesting one. Charlie Lanson, where there's a little apostrophe between the L and the A. He is Spanish, uh, English-born, Spanish-raised, and he plays in the second division of Spain. But he's never lived in England since he was a child. Right. But he's English. Uh, there's a player. The best name of a footballer, I think, in the world currently Ronaldo Vieira yes Ronaldo Vieira once of Leeds now of Sampdoria and his brother is called Romario <laughs> Vieira uh, do you, did you see what Sampdoria did when they signed Ronaldo Vieira this summer did they put the top half of they Patrick put Vieira on the bottom half of Cristiano Ronaldo no better than that so uh, famously this summer worldly listeners you'll remember we spoke about Cristiano Ronaldo being signed by Juventus and when they signed him they made a big Twitter banner of the word Ronaldo in massive letters in black and white for the Juventus colours and when Sampdoria <laughs> signed Ronaldo Vieira they made a massive banner in blue and white of the Sampdoria colours with the word Ronaldo and then in tiny print <laughs> at the bottom they wrote Vieira 
That is brilliant. <laughs> yes. Um, other, just very quickly, other players. Keenan Bennett's left Tottenham to play for Mutch and Gladbach. That's in Germany as well. Uh, Shea Ojo, you know him? He's a mm-hmm. Liverpool player. Mm-hmm. Name rings a bell. He's on loan at Reims in France. Uh, there's Jake Clark Salter, the English under-21 defender at Vitesse Arnhem, uh, where a lot of Chelsea youngsters go. In Holland. In the Netherlands. Uh, Australia. Remember Adam Lafondre? Could have just said yes. Uh, Adam Lafondre, a Reading striker. That's He's wild. now at Sydney. Ooh. I didn't know Adam Lafondre was English. I assumed it was Adam Lafondre. He's English and he doesn't like being called Adam Lafondre. He ch- shortens it to simply Alf. <laughs> A-L-F. That's great. That's true. That's great knowledge. Um, do you remember Jordan Much? Uh, do I remember Jordan Much? <laughs> he plays for Vancouver Whitecaps. Stop hitting yourself in the face on the radio. No more claps and bangs. No more claps and bangs. You You're going to smash it. your metaphorical glasses. <laughs> They're already off my head. Michael Mancia, New England Revolution. Jay Simpson, Philadelphia Union. Ned Emanua, Real Salt Lake. Remember these players? No, but they all play in America. They used to play in the Premier League. Mm, I know who Ned Emanua was. David James. Wait, not the David James. Big hands. Big hands, David no, James. No, not the David another James. Another Merseyside legendary goalkeeper linking into your classic world league. Yes. He is now the manager, not the player, of Kerala Blasters in India. Wow, that's great. Danny Guthrie plays in Indonesia. Indonesia? <laughs> Indonesia. I mean, these facts, Carl, these are, these are, these are almost equ- equivalent of Putin Pravda points from the summer. These are the kind of things that non-football listeners to Absolute World can bring up in the pub and amaze their football-loving friends. Did you know that David James was the manager of Kerala Blasters, for example? Did you know that Leroy Lita plays in the second, league, second division in Thailand? Did you know that Cameron Jerome is on loan in Turkey at Goztepe? Did you know that Jay Bothroyd, the international traveller. No, what do I mean? <laughs> the, the, What's I, the word for a player that goes... Journeyman. The journeyman. The international traveller. <laughs> Jay Bothroyd. like Austin Powers. He plays in Japan. <laughs> I'm going to move on. Right, good. I mean, that was a lot of play. That was a lot of names. That was a lot of names. We should tag all of them. Or cut it. Or cut <laughs> <laughs> So I'm going to move back into the domestic game, guys. An amazing interview with Nathan Redmond. Uh, kind of giving you an insight into the Premier League footballer's uh, life with his colleagues in the train in the dressing room, changing room. Um, so he, what do you think? He's the sort of thing he keeps on him. All he has on him on a match day: book, iPad, extension lead, essentials. He's just finished a book <laughs> on Egyptian mythology. <laughs> what is happening? I'm losing my mind. Sorry. I just thought that was really interesting. What? He's just finished a book on Egyptian mythology. He said, a little bit of something different. I'm trying to learn something. <laughs> Doesn't that cut against the stereotype of an English footballer job? Oh, that's, what you're, that's what you're doing. I understand now. Now, he also went on to talk about fines. Right? Ralph, Ray Ford Joseph. No, no, Joel. No, no. not the famous <laughs> no, not acting that, dynasty. Not that kind of fines. The money fines. This podcast has got into disrepair. <laughs> Here's what he said about fines. We're so far off the rails. Come on. He said, we're quite good in terms of not getting fined. Once the fine system starts, the boys are on you for everything, even if it's just leaving a jumper around. We had a system last season where we started again, the spinning wheel. If you have a fine, say 50 quid for leaving a jumper outside, your boots or your GPS vest, if you want to contest it, you step up to the wheel and spin it. What the hell is happening? Going on? There are about two opportunities on the spinning wheel where it says no fine. It's like Wheel of Fortune. Yeah. Amazing. There's a few where you can nominate someone else. Also, it can double, triple. You have to take the boys out for dinner. Wait, what? what is that? What are these? Is this sanctioned by the club? So at Southampton, 
they have a multicolored spinning wheel like you have in like a fair hmm. and the, on written on it is it's the it's the fine wheel so you, oh, I want to pay that fine I was only two minutes late spin the wheel Nathan and so basically you can get off or it can go double triple it can go worse it's a it's a roulette a jeopardy kind of roulette but why don't they I mean why don't, why don't the no club punishment. just yeah why don't they just say no you're late here's your fine banter this isn't banter this is excessive money spending <laughs> So this is it wasn't English. It, it culminated last season where one of the boys had to order takeaway for all the other members of the team Holy hell. to their own houses individually. So he had to take everyone's order and send it to their house. Is this not meant to be demonstrating a different side to footballers from the people who've got too much money and That's not what I was going to say just then. I thought you were telling us that he was, you know, reading books about a, a Egyptian. Oh yeah, he's a good boy. Redmond's, Redmond doesn't get mixed up in the old spinning wheel. But so the rest he didn't of the order a takeaway, did he? <laughs> no, we know. Do we know what Nathan Redmond ordered for his takeaway? More importantly, what did Ryan Bertrand order? <laughs> Chinese. Okay, good to know. <laughs> I was going to do like a fun little question to you guys, but I think I might move on. Oh, no, do it. No, we're not. Do us your question. If Tell you could question. find your housemates, what would it be for? Oh wow, <laughs> that was your fun little question. I might find them for not knowing where Jay Bothroyd plays. Aren't no, they? international traveller, Jay Bothroyd. <laughs> international man of travelling. <laughs> yeah, baby. <laughs> oh, I'm going to move on again. Everyone's talking about the did you hear about N'Golo Kante this week? This is the end of my This Week's Worldly. Uh, no, no, tell us about N'Golo Kante. He was playing last weekend, not the weekend, just gone on before, against Cardiff at Stamford Bridge on Saturday. They won 4-1. After the game, he planned to travel to Paris via the Eurostar from oh. London St Pancras. Fair enough. He's a rich French footballer. He can do that. He missed the train. Disaster. N'Golo. Absolute disaster. Oh, no, no. So, in an attempt to kill some time, he looked up his nearest mosque, and he went to mosque. Is he Muslim? I didn't know that. Well, maybe he was just looking at mosques. <laughs> I really hope that's true. So he went to mosque, and as is the custom, you meet a new person at the mosque, you invite them back to your house for dinner if they've got no other plans. A group of football fans, football mad lads, invited him back to their house for curry. So he went. Amazing. He spent the oh. evening with them playing FIFA and watching Match of the Day. That is... Wait, was he on Match of the Day? Yeah. Oh, that's so surreal. Cool. You Those invite people. a footballer back from... You meet a footballer at the mosque, you invite him back to your house, you spend the evening... I bet he played as himself on team he played, yeah. yeah. I, know, I know for a fact that they all said that he beat them every single time. He's very good at FIFA. Well, they do have a lot of free time on their hands, footballers. So, and then they watched Match of the Day with him. Yeah. That was so surreal. I mean, they must have just absolutely loved the bit where Chelsea beat Cardiff 4-1 and he was instrumental. So the the one of the people invited back to his house is a uh, Twitter name is uh, Jarul999. Of course, not spelt the same way as the famous 1990s noughties rapper J A H R U L. Right. Who momentarily changed his Twitter name to Kante's friend. I <laughs> <laughs> might, might be over, overstating their relationship somewhat. He said, "World Cup winner, former Premier League Player of the Year, two-time Premiership winner, casually joined us to watch MOTD after visiting a local mosque." True definition of being humble. What a man. Oh, lovely. So he gave up on getting the train. He, his idea was, well, I'll just catch the next one. There was no other late one. He stayed so long having fun, he got a cab home. Right. God, you see, they're just like us, guys. They're just like us. So to close this week's Worldie, if you boys could take a Premier League player Ooh. home for dinner, who would it be? What would you cook them? 
What entertainment would you provide? Past, present, anyone. God, good question. I'll, I'll go with my yeah, opinion. Yeah, you go with yours. I, I thought David Louise, mm-hmm. vegan curry, and we watched my DVD of Wes Anderson's Isle of Dogs that I'm still desperate to watch. Great. I think David Louise would love to watch Isle of Dogs. I think he'd be like, I don't know what's... I, it's fun. I don't know what's going on, but dogs. Right. That was your Brazilian accent there. One of the things that we once long ago banned on this particular podcast between us, no accents. Earlier on I did a Welsh and now you've done a Brazilian. We're falling apart of the seams here, girl. Reese, any ideas? Um, I'm going to go with comic value. I initially was going to do like, you know, you sort of Michael Owens for sort of stories and anecdotes and experience. But then I just thought, how much fun would having a nice curry with Jimmy Bullard be? Great. Loads of fun. A nice curry fun. watching maybe... Ghostbusters. Would it be a fish curry? Because he loves fishing. Yeah, if that's what he wants, that's what I'd order him. Jim, Jimmy Bullard has famously did a, did a fishing show after after football. Did he? Yeah. Which Ghostbusters? Two. Great. Oh, not the reboot then. No. Rubbish. Oh, Joel? controversial. I would invite Casper Schmeichel oh. round and I would uh, serve him fish and chips and we'd watch The Hangover Part 2. Huh. <laughs> And I'm not defending any of that or reasoning it out. Why are you both jumping in with sequels? They might not have seen the original. <laughs> Jimmy Bullard has definitely seen the original Ghostbusters. You <laughs> can quote it backwards. On that bombshell, Reese. thank you for being our guest this week. Oh, it's been an absolute pleasure. Uh, and just quickly, Reese, uh, who, who does uh, who does Neda Manua play for? <laughs> not a clue. <laughs> I... I've, I've, I, I am stunned by your football knowledge, the pair of you. Oh, thank I'm, you. I'm, I'm very much a sort of match of the day weekly watcher. Not very good with stats, names. Very much know Liverpool sort of very well. Anything else outside of that. But it's been lovely to chat about things that I, I didn't know about. Uh, more importantly, what the hell does top bins come from? I mean, I know. Oh. Please, can somebody tell me? I just heard it the other day and I was like, where's that come from? There's nothing to do with bins on a football pitch. No. Nothing. Tweet it, guys. Top bins. The at only thing we're close to... At Podcast, where does top bins come from? Unless it comes from Neville Southall being brilliant. That's the closest I think we've got, guys. It's just him being top bins. Uh, ha- how's, a, how's, a, how's the world outside of Worldies going for you, Reese? Lovely. Lovely. Yeah, lovely life? Yes. Very happy. Very happy. Currently uh, in between... Uh, big potential life-changing chapters. Nice. So just enjoying the London hubbub and connecting with friends. <laughs> Great. <laughs> Great. Quick word on quick word on something you told me earlier. How was your summer in Full Monty the Musical? Oh, yes. Um, I had a lovely time taking my clothes off for money um, and being a singer and actor, I think maybe my career might have peaked now um, because I've, I've taken my clothes off, sung and acted for money. Um, I don't know where to go from this. What was the Absolute name of the worldly, seat obviously. where, if you sat, you got the best view of your particular... Oh, uh, I would call it the Reese's Pieces. Perfect. You would see my pieces. <laughs> and on that note, thank you for joining us, Absolute Worldy listeners. We will be back getting ahead of everything that we get ahead of next time. Bye. Bye. Goodbye. The Absolute Worldy Podcast is produced by Joel Samuels and Kyle Ross with editing by Joel Samuels. Our theme music is courtesy of Adam Janota Bozowski and Amar Chada Patel. All other music is licensed under Creative Commons. Thank you very much for listening and please do remember to like, share, subscribe, rate and review on iTunes and follow us at Worldy Podcast on Twitter. Bye! Would you say you look like a marlin on a line? No, he's too big. On a hook. <laughs>
<laughs> looks like a carcass in the abattoir. Well, we've watched it, listeners. Hopefully you have too. <laughs> a carcass in an abattoir. Kick ball with fur.